This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Let's get ready for the Word today. I want to bring you a message entitled, I Am the next word, okay? And I am is the series that we've been in for a few weeks here. Let's read the word, we'll pray, and then we'll dive into the message today. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 13 reads like this. Moses said to God, now let me put this in context. Moses is out in the desert. He's been walking along. He sees a bush that's on fire that doesn't uh, become consumed. He walks up toward the bush and, and a voice says, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. He has an encounter with the presence of God. And, and so finally, uh, God and he are communicating with each other. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. God's told him to go be their deliverer. And I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? I think this is powerful. Then what shall I tell them? He's saying, how can I introduce you if I don't even know your name myself? To which God responds, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity to, to bring your word before this congregation. For those that are here, for those that are watching, for those that are listening, Father, I thank you that you have gathered us together. I thank you, Lord, that you want us to receive from the truth of your word. Speak to us clearly, and Lord, change all of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Just to catch you up to where we are, if you've not been a part of this series, we're in a series called I Am. And we've been studying the, the truths that God spoke over uh, Jesus when he came up out of the water. And these are very simple truths. And, and let me just say this, I, I, I don't think I, in the early years of my pastor would have ever preached something so many times over and over again. But what I finally realized that it takes some of us a little longer than others to catch up. Come on, Amen. And if, I, if it takes me this long to begin to walk in this, then I'm going to take an assumption that it might take some of you that long. And so we've been realizing that, that when Jesus went down into the water, the Bible says that when he came up out of the water, that there was a voice from heaven and made this declaration, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In this moment, we hear three distinct things that God is saying over the life of, of Jesus Christ. He says this, he says, this is my son. This is a, my beloved, so this is my loved son, and this is the one in whom I am well pleased. I want you to hear those three truths one more time. He said, this is my son, this is the one that I love, and this is the one that pleases me. According to Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 27, we are taught that we have been baptized with Christ. We are united with Christ in baptism. So we find this truth that when God was declaring these things over Jesus, he was also declaring these over those who have been baptized in Christ Jesus, those who are one with Christ, that God was making these same declarations over them. And I want to call them the I am truths. 
Not the I am possibilities, not the I am suggestions, but the I am truths, because these are solid and true. You can hold on to these things. As a matter of fact, let me say it this way. You can hold on to these things in the middle of a storm. You can hold on to these things when you feel like everyone else has abandoned you. These are truths that will stand the test of time. And I want you to get these down inside of who you are, that he made those declarations. What did he say? This is my son, the one that I love, and I'm pleased with him. So we've realized these three I am truths, what God says over us, and I want you to help me with these this morning. He said, I am his child. Now that I got about 5% of you, let's try that again. I want you to help me with these this morning. Ready for this? I am his child. Ready for this? Then I, I am loved by God. Well, hallelujah. Ready? I am pleasing to God. It has taken us now three weeks to get to the point that most of you did not back off on the third statement there. Because most of us can realize that God is our Father. Most of us can feel loved by God, but we don't really know how God can be pleased with us right where we are in our lives. And so we've been learning the truth that we don't stand by our own merit, but we stand by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, maybe you walked in here today and you had a good week this week. Let's talk about a good week. You walked here today and you said, I can sing today. I didn't fall into that sin that I've been falling in. I didn't fall into that struggle that I've been falling. I feel justified singing today. I can, man, I can touch God today. Can I tell you that you are no more qualified today on a week that you've won than a week that you've lost because it's not of our righteousness that we stand, but it's the blood of Jesus Christ that enables us to walk boldly saying, God is our Father. Amen. And so we're going to have to learn these truths, and until we get there, we're not going to be able to walk in the power of what God has called for us to walk in. Now, I want to bring your attention back to this passage today that I gave you out of Exodus chapter 3 that God's Word has spoken to us, and I want you to think about this from a Jewish perspective for just a moment. In Judaism, we realize that in the Word of God that over 1,001 names of God are given, but here God calls himself by this one name. Now, the name that we're going to study today is not the name that God spoke when he said, I am, because the truth is we don't really know what that is. Uh, we don't really have that recorded completely, and, and some of you are going, well, I learned it was this. Give me time to get there, but what we have is a tetragrammaton, and a tetragrammaton is where one word is given in a place of another word that, is, that cannot be spoken, that cannot be written, so it's, a, it's something that stands for the other word. So if you were to go into Israel today, you might actually see these things written somewhere in an old scroll in, the, in, in the, the, the shrine of the book, or you might see these things in different places, but you would see these letters written, Y-H-V-H, okay? Now we have to understand that in the original there were no vowels, and in no vowels there that, that we could not really understand what the pronunciation would be, but, but the Jewish people considered the name of God so holy, so righteous that no one dare utter it, that no one dare write it, that, that it was so, so wonderful that no one in the frailty of their humanity was able to embrace the name of God. So they created this tetragrammaton so that they might be able to at least establish who they were speaking of, what they were trying to describe. And so when they would talk about God, they would then write in this word that was to stand for the name of God. And we've actually lost the pronunciation of what would have been given here. Now we can conjecture that based on this tetragrammaton that, that the name that would be given here is a name that many of you might have heard in church and really haven't understood how it plays in things, but is the name Yahweh. 
And so we would take that tetragrammaton and then, and then morph it into the name of Yahweh. So we're not really sure if that would be the correct pronunciation of this, but, but that is the name of God of which no uh, uh, good, uh, uh, upstanding Jewish person would, would utter that name. No one in particularly in the time of the scriptures would utter that name of God because he was considered too high and too holy and too great. Now look, I'm, I've come to tell you something better this morning, but can I tell you, it's time for us to elevate the name of God again. It's time for us to lift up the name of God. So they, they, they couldn't approach him by this name. And, and so when a Jewish person wanted to, to tell someone something that the Lord had done, they couldn't say Yahweh. So, so what they would do is they would, they would bow their head and they would say this name, Adonai. Now, Netanyahu, I was quite impressed the other day when he gave his speech before the embassy. He bowed his head and he said, Borukatah Adonai. And that means blessed be the Lord, blessed be the, the ruler, blessed be the master. And so what they would do is when they couldn't say Yahweh, they would bow in reverence, their, their head in reverence and say Adonai, that, that, that I may not be worthy to call him by his name, but I can declare his position in my life, that he is Lord of my life. That reminds me of a passage about declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. But imagine that moment. You're worshiping a God that you can't approach. You're worshiping a God that you can't get near. You're worshiping a God that you can't talk to. And you don't know how to, how to get into his presence because you can't even call him by a name. So, but all you can do is stand at a distance and, and call him by a nickname and say, Hadonai, because you can't go into his presence. Now get that image into your mind and then realize this truth. Jesus comes into that culture. Jesus comes into that world where people don't even feel worthy to mention the name of God. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to talk to them about approachable God who loved them enough not to condemn them, but to send his son into the world that the world might be saved through him. And in the garden, he reveals yet even another name for God that we should call. And he calls as he's praying. He says it this way. He, he doesn't say Adonai. He doesn't say Yahweh. But he says Abba. Abba. Now, I have a mental image burned in my brain that will forever be the way that I look at the name Abba. How, what I see here is this. I'm in the middle of the old street, the old town in Jerusalem. There's cobblestones on the ground. There's, there's rocky walls. There's little archways of rock. And the sound's reverberating. And we're actually in kind of a, uh, it's in the Jewish quarter. And we're sorry, we're kind of in an area. There's not a lot of people for a moment. And as I'm walking along, I'm just enjoying the sights, probably getting a few pictures. And all of a sudden, I feel something brush by my leg. And as it brushes, it just almost catches me so much off guard. I startle and, and I look down quickly to see what's, what's come up against me. And as I look down, there's a little girl that's come running past me as fast as she can. And she's got two hands up in the air and she's screaming at the man walking ahead of me going, Abba, Abba, Abba. And he turns and scoops her up with joy. That will forever be the way that I see this name. Jesus comes into a culture that can't even utter his name and says, I don't want you to come to a place where you just feel comfortable uttering his name. I want you to come to a place that you can call him Daddy, Abba. This makes more sense now when we go to Romans chapter 8, verse number 15, which says you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You've not received a spirit that makes you cower and say, I can't even say his name. I'm not even worthy. Maybe, maybe, maybe someday I'll get to No, yet instead you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. Come on now. Amen. I feel God in this. We can call him Abba what happens when somebody adopts you? You take on their name. And we become part of the family of God. Isn't that amazing? 
It's awesome what God is speaking to us. But the problem for us is our sin wants to push us backward. Instead of walking before our Father, we suddenly want to feel unworthy again because we know we don't really please Him in the way we live. But where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. Where sin may be, grace, I love the way this is, grace is deeper. I just have an image of grace pumping through our veins. Grace living inside of who we are. Grace moving. My goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit. Now look, I am supposed to behave. It's baptism Sunday, but you've got a whole day off tomorrow to get over it, so I don't think I'm going to behave for just a moment. I want to talk to you about the goodness of God. Amen. Sin. Sin screams you're unworthy, and grace screams you are his child. Sin screams he's forgotten you, and grace says, no, 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 you are loved, and God is pleased with you. I thank God that grace is greater than our sin. Amen. Why don't you give God a praise for grace this morning? Here's the beauty of this whole exodus moment when God's, God is speaking directly to Moses, and Moses said, right, who, who's sending me? Who should I say you are? He says, I am. Just two words. I am. Typically, that phrase needs more. I mean, it needs something to finish the thought. I am your deliverer. I am your this. I am your refuge. I, I mean, you have to say, you have, if you're going to act like God, you have to talk deep. Come on now. Amen. <laughs> I am this. I am that. But here's what I want you to understand. God didn't need a next word because God is the final thought. God doesn't need us. He wants us. We don't make him God. He's God at the very fabric of who he is. If, if you don't believe in him, that does not change the fact that he's God. If you don't worship him, that doesn't change the fact that he's worthy. He is God. He is that he is. He, he is God. Amen. And that's amazing. But the problem, the reason we have a hard time understanding that, and that God is the finality in every situation, and he cannot be contained in a final word. Is because we, however, need a final word to anchor our identities to specific, intangible, descriptive terms. We can't figure out who we are. Can I tell you what I've been telling you through this whole time? Until you learn who God says you are, uh, then you're not going to walk in freedom, and you're never going to learn who God says you are until you really learn who He says He is to you. He's your Father. You're His child that He loves and whom He's pleased. And until you learn this, you can't walk in the freedom of what God has for you. But the problem is, we are trying to fill in the next word. Well, I am this. I mean, think about that. We're, we we I just automatically do it. It subconsciously fill in with nouns and adjectives, but and seldom do we ever question whether or not we've chosen the right word to fill in what I am. We place words like, I'm stupid. I'm strong. I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm driven. I'm screwed up. I'm loyal. I'm stuck. I'm hurting. I'm overwhelmed. I'm blessed. I'm capable. I'm disappointed. Broken. I'm hopeful. I am jaded. 
You see, we keep filling in the next word, and we're not filling it in with the right words. And all the right words will defeat the wrong words. I need you to get that. Instead of talking about what you are, instead of trying to describe yourself by your past or by your sin, or I'm a convict, or I'm an addict, or I'm an alcoholic, or I'm an adulterer, I'm a whatever, instead of saying those things, what God wants you to say is, I am his child, I am loved, and I am pleasing to God. Now, Pastor, why is that important? Let's just pick one of those. If you say, I am disappointed, oh, I'm broken, I'm disappointed, then you're missing out on the power of the second statement. The power of the second statement needs to replace the I'm disappointed with I am loved. Because I may not like where I am, but because I'm loved, I know I'm not going to stay where I am. God's calling me to higher and better things. And when I begin to realize the power of those truths, better things are in store for me. Come on. Amen. Can I tell you I'm preaching better than you're carrying on right now? Come on now. God's good. I want you to get this at the fiber of your being, that until you accept these three simple truths, you can't become who God wants you to be. So the problem is we have all these negative assessments of ourselves. And when you have a negative assessment of yourself, can I tell you it brings pain to the parent? One of my children said, something not too long ago about themselves, and it was negative. And it broke my heart. Because what I wanted to scream was, have you not been listening to me? I have told you. I have bought for you. I have done anything to make you feel who you are. I have tried your whole life to declare that over you because I I, I want you to know who you are. It's my job to empower part that to who you are. And, and, and when they looked and said something they were not, you know what? I went into dad mode and dad mode means fix it. Some of you don't understand that, but it's, it's dads, it's a reflection of God. Your wives don't appreciate it. It took me 20 years of marriage to realize when your wife says, I want to tell you about something, don't get out your let's fix it pad right then. She doesn't want you to fix it. She just wants you to listen to her for a while. Come on. Amen. But however, and I always love when I make that point. Wives go like, mm-hmm. Listen to me. The truth is this. When you hear something as a man, as a father, spoken wrong in your children, you're really reflecting God because God is wanting to make you whole. That means fix you. That you stop believing the lies that somebody told you that you believed about yourself. And you start hearing what he says. The devil says, God's forgotten you. And you go, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm his child. The devil says, God's given up on you. So no, 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 you don't understand. He loves me and he's pleased with me. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you today? Let me just give you this simple truth and I need to hurry. And You'll never be able to live in the power of those declarations until you do three other declarations. See, it's, it's important you have to speak these things. Until you give three other declarations, you'll never be able to really understand those. Are you ready for these? Well, whether you're ready or not, here we go. First, I'm lost. Until you say, I'm lost, you're never going to be able to say you're his child. Now look, can I tell you that this is the easiest statement for people to make? Yep, I'm lost. You can go to the bar and people say, yep, busting hell wide open, pastor. Some of you look like shock. I've heard that too many times in my life. 
Or it goes like this. Everybody bows their heads. I don't know why we let everybody bow their heads sometimes because we all know everybody's stuff anyways, usually. We know you're messed up. I'm messed up. We're all messed up. And the truth is we've all fallen short of the kingdom of God, the glory of God. It's just how it is. But until you get to the place that you can say, I'm lost, then you're in trouble. You'll never be able to say you're his child until you can say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Because I've fallen and I've made mistakes and I've struggled. A lot of people don't struggle with that because it's the truth is you know you've made a lot of mistakes and they raise their hand. Can I give you another though? Here's another. I am forgiven. You'll always say you're lost until you can finally say, nope, I'm forgiven. Until you can reach that truth, until you can reach that moment, until you make that connection. Because here's the problem I found in pastoring. You ready for this? A lot of people, they can say, I'm lost, I'm lost. Every Sunday, you know what I call these? Every Sunday, you know, who wants to know Jesus? Repeat customers. And that's not mean. It's just true. It's because most of us don't have trouble admitting that we're sinners, but we struggle admitting that he could forgive us. And until you can declare that you're forgiven, then you're always going to be lost. Sometimes you have to understand, though, the power of grace. One of the best illustrations for me at this moment, see what most of us are afraid of, we're afraid that somehow God's going to realize that he made a mistake with us and we don't really deserve to be in the forgiven category. I'll never forget one time I was flying to South America and this man that was flying with me, he bought a first class ticket and I was sitting back in coach and he said, pastor, this is wrong. You're my pastor. Why don't you sit up in first class and I'll sit back in coach. And I said, no. And he begged me like the whole time we were waiting. I said, man, you go, you paid for that ticket. It's yours. Go enjoy it. And so he, we flew down and I sat back in coach eating that, whatever is in that little, Never mind. I don't even talk about that. And we get down there, we minister for a week, and we get back to the airport. And he said, Pastor, will you please take my ticket to first class? I said, yes, I will. <laughs> Glory to God. May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Yes, I will. But I didn't enjoy it. At, I mean, the filet mignon was amazing. But I didn't enjoy it at all. Do you know why? Because we had to change tickets to get there. And the whole time I sat there, I thought, what if they asked if I'm really him? What if they discover that I didn't buy this, I didn't pay for it, that's not my name on the ticket? What, what happens then if they discover that? I could just imagine myself being marched all the way to the back of the plane in front of everybody. Because that was a mistake. Do you know what? That gave me a truth that I really needed to understand. Most of you feel like God somehow made a mistake and let you sit in the wrong seat called forgiven. But the truth is you didn't pay the price for it, but the name on the ticket is Jesus. And Jesus said, I paid the price, and you can sit in the place of forgiveness because I've got you covered. And until you accept the fact that if we confess our sins, that God, he, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take away our sins, you're never going to move to that category, and you're definitely never going to make it to the last one. And I'm going to close with this last one. Here we go. I am lost. I am forgiven. You ready? I am saved. Until you can get to where you can make the statement, I 
am saved, you're in trouble. A lot of people can say, yep, I'm lost. And a lot of people pray for forgiveness. But until you reach the place that you can say, I am saved. And what's happening right now, and some of you are looking around wondering what's going on, people are going to get ready to make that declaration. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me in this place? Listen to what I've come to tell you. Are you ready for this? Stop waffling. Every few weeks, you're having to wonder if it's time for you to really get saved. Stop waffling. Do you know why you can't walk in the power of being forgiven and you can't walk in the power of salvation and you can't call him Father and know he loves you and know he's pleased with you? It's because you have not yet made it public that who you are in Christ Jesus. It's truth. Luke 12 and 8. I tell you, whoever publicly, what word? Publicly acknowledges me before others. The Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. Wow. You see, until you're willing to publicly announce, that's me, I'm saved. I was lost, but I'm not anymore because now I am forgiven. And because of his grace, I am saved. Until you get to that point, you can make that declaration. You're always going to go back to the lost state. You're always going to go back to begging for forgiveness state. But you've got to get to the point where you accept the forgiveness and you declare, that's not who I am anymore. I am now a new creation in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I'm God's child who he loves and whom he's pleased because of what Jesus has done. He gave me a better seed. Amen. It's true. Simple, simple truth. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.